This is Dedra T. Wilmer here for another edition of Everybody Doesn't Eat Everyone's Gumbo. Uh, right now, we are at doing a, a a special episode here tonight and dealing with the coronavirus is sweeping across our nation, all across our world here tonight. We want to give special shout outs to the late uh, Rita Franklin, along with Bishop Paul Martin of the wonderful Baptist Missionary Baptist Church uh, in New Orleans, uh, Greater State Stevens, to be exact. And uh, for the song, Seasons Change. And again, seasons will change regardless of what the op- what the obstacle that this world has overcome. God, God is always in power, in control. Man, I want to wish, uh, Don, uh, again, all of our listening artists who are making everyone does eat everyone's gumbo a success here. Uh, man, DeWan, how you doing tonight, my man? Oh, man, great, man. How, man, how's everything going with you? <laughs> oh yes it is yes it is so any word man for us how your class is going to be set up uh no word yet i haven't really got any emails from my teachers or professors or anything so just wait and see oh man okay man that's let's go and dive in man let's talk about uh right now today is super tuesday we this is of course man i want to tell you man before i even get started happy saint patrick's day man <laughs> so talk about your irish heritage man <laughs> <laughs> man i don't really know much about it but hey uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day. Well, really, to me, I'm, I'm part Irish, man. Yeah, so, so you know, I'm one who did the genealogy yeah. test on uh, a couple of outlets out there, you know, ancestry, whatever. And, man, I thought I'm more Irish than I am African-American, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, man, I wear the clover leaf, man. I ain't, I, I'm not the leprechaun. <laughs> but, you know, um, man, let's, let's talk about uh, this um, this primary, man. Did you watch the debate? Um, I, I, I watched, like, the sound bites, bits and pieces. Um, because a lot of the things that are going on in the market right now that I'm focused on, the debate right now, you know, I mean, of course, you know, it's national politics and things like that. But for the, the effect of the markets right now, that wasn't my biggest priority. But I'm starting to see from a number standpoint. And uh, we're going to dive into that, man. Yeah. We want, we're going to talk about that because I'm worried in a couple of cents and that does not to scare our listening audience. And I did a impromptu uh, podcast uh, on Sunday night, man. And just telling everybody, I got all kind of emails and phone calls, and still getting current customers asking me, "Man, the Feds dropped the rate. Man, did rates go uh, go down to zero percent? No, not not in the mortgage banking world. We come, our rates come with mortgage backed securities. The one I'll let you elaborate on that later on. But I want to just um, talk about this evening, man. Do you think it's time for Bernie to step out the race? Um, you know, right now, I mean, you know, Illinois and even people vote in Florida. Um, they call those elections early. Now they are in uh, Arizona right now, waiting on the results from there. Uh, as the results are tickling, uh, trickling down very slow. Uh, do you think it's time for Bernie right now? You know, Biden leading with forty nine percent of votes, forty two percent, and they called it. Um, they called it. They called Arizona. It's a sweep, tense team sweep. Is it time for Bernie Sanders to get out the race, my man? Yeah, I'm asking you as a as a as a younger man. And whom his base is from young voters, do you think it's time to focus on the general election? Um, 
I think, yeah, I think it's time for him to step out. I think um, this is a pivotal time for him. And I, I think the reason why, you know, of course, you're going to have to put up a fight for your voting base. And you, know, you have the second largest voting base. You want to, He's going to try to play the underdog card. But I, what I see it as, I think if I were in Bernie's shoes, me being 78 years old, and of course, this is your career. This is what you've done for a lifetime. Been doing it, you know, since what, 25, 26 has been your passion. I think right now, you know, I don't Based on what the numbers are looking like, you know, the margin of victory that uh, Biden is pulling away with, I don't I don't really foresee any reason for Bernie to stick into the election right now. I think if I were Bernie, you know, I would look be looking to find that, you know, a position that I can coast off with, you know, in, in politics. Because, you know, of course, you know, within the DNC, even though they have, you know, vastly different, you know, ideologies and views, of course, this is still one party. So I, I think that in a sense that he could seek for maybe um, certain seats in, you know, State Department where he can still, of course, have a push that he would want and, you know, uh, give his voters, you know, a very large base because, you know, just like how Donald Trump has a very large voting, voting base, why it will be the best thing for the DNC to combine these voting bases and get, you know, get more people to the polls if they want to, you know, see a Democratic president. That's true. I mean, because, I mean, I go back to the 20 to again, the two twenty uh, twenty sixteen. Uh, election when technically it was a Bernie show at the DNC convention yep. and it really hurt Hillary um, and people didn't show up to vote. Yep. Um, and, you know, and it really, really, really it, it made about him. And I just hope which it calls indirectly an opportunity for Donald, Donald Trump to be your president. And it, it, it may, and I mean, regardless of who you support Donald Trump or not, it just, it just how a, in a, and that's why I got to give to the Republican party. When they stand behind a, a, a candidate, candidate yeah. they stand behind a candidate. Behind candidate. And it, that's what that's all it is. This is just uh, exposing a lot of structures within the two the bipartisan parties, um, which I also think this could lead to an end of bipartisan politics. But you know, I I, I digress from that. Yes, I, I think that I, I think that the Democrats have learned their lesson from 2016 with Hillary. Um, I think they're going to realize, especially with you know the event that the country is going to go through right now, it's going to unify a lot of things because that's usually what happens with, you know, downturns and, you know, tragedies and, you know, pandemics and horrific events. So I think that the DNC is going to wake up, know, like realize, okay, we have to unify if we want to, you know, get all because this is a pivotal time for America and, you know, the geopolitics and things like that. So whichever party wants to, you know, change, you know, change the direction of America at this pivotal time, who is, that's the party that's going to have to come out and vote. That's the party that's going to come out and have to take seats and positions of power in the government. So, I think that the DNC, I have faith in them that they, you know, they're going to unify and, you know, try to win this election at all costs, just like how the Republican Party is going to come into this election trying to win at all costs. It's like a goldmine for politics right now. Yes, you could say it any better. And that's and that's one of the things that I, I just really um, wanted to emphasize uh, tonight, you know, in reference to um, about. You know, for as this election here is that, you know, Joe Biden, he spoke about an hour ago, hour and a half, some change ago, and just, hey, just say, hey, as a presidential address, hey, we're going to get through this. We're going to overcome this. And, you know, and let's give our shout outs to our first responders whom are sacrificing their life, not just their life, their families, yep. family lives, man, yep. for the better of all people, especially our nurses, our firefighters, our police officers, people who serve the communities whom they could have picked other fields. Yep. And, and, and we also have to take at stake that. You know, these guys are going to get an incumbent. So, you know, the, the success rate of, you know, incumbents in history. So th that's what I'm saying. This to beat an incumbent, it takes significant measures, significant campaigning. And, you know, there's pros and caveats to 
running against an incumbent because of course especially in a time like this where a lot of you know donald trump's administration and resources are being you know sent to combating the coronavirus risk and things like that this will be a perfect opportunity of course you know to show you good samaritanship within you know the american public but you know get in get in everyone's ears you know say hey get, well this is what i can provide this is what i can do so i think the dnc really needs to come together and the, if that if that means a bernie dropout or tulsi gabbard dropout i do not know but uh i think that's what they need to do if they want to really they need to unify if they really want to take this office yes yeah, so true and so you know, and and in retrospect to that, you know, I wanted to um, talk about you know the biggest big the biggest picture right now is with the coronavirus, and I got again I get phone calls from current customers, I get phone calls from previous customers about I mean everybody probably my, I have touched in my life have called me this week and emailed me and text me about rates, um, and, and I want to set the record straight. Mortgage rates do not come from the prime rate that the Fed chairman, Mr. Powell, um, ministers. Those are rates that banks borrow from the Feds, and which is called prime rates. And usually the, the golden rule is prime plus two. That is if you have A credit rating. Prime plus three and a half, four, if you have B and a, B minus a C, and if prime plus four and six, if you have D minus credit rating, etc., and that could credit rating, that's not mean based on credit. If your business credit is strong, no, that could be liquidity. That could be investments. That could be your balance sheets. That could be what type of products. It could go from 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 CNI. CNI is industrial and equipment and and materials for your business and everything else. CRE is commercial real estate. Uh, also, too, you got payroll. A lot of these things is the fact of payroll, and a lot of these in businesses are not going to have furloughing workers. Sometimes, hey, you can borrow some money to keep these folks afloat, keep them on payroll, but if you can't, if you're not bringing revenue in, you're not going to make payroll. Payroll is the biggest expense of any business. It, the minimum requirement is always 30%. 33% of your expenses goes into payroll, and it's your biggest expense, you know what I'm saying, which everything else eats the pie. So by saying that, by by the by power reducing the rating, the one you could take away to add on to this, it gave opportunity for for corporations and mid-sized businesses and small businesses to say, hey, we can borrow money cheap, but they not borrowing at zero percent because again, banks and I'm a former banker for the last twenty some odd years, they're there to make they are there to make money too. So I'll let you elaborate yeah, on that. Of course, they're there to make money, and you know, of course, the time right now with the liquidity coins that we have, and you know, a massive, massive appreciated dollar that we saw today. Of course, you, it's going to be a rush to, uh, you know, promote lending. You know, a lot of commercial lending that a lot of, you know, guys like JP Morgan, um, big, big men like Wells Fargo, people like that. So they're, it's almost like a liquidity coins, that's what I like to call it, that they're it's kind of squeezed in. And it's uh, like like they said, it's, it's, it's a pivotal time for them to make money, to make, you know, the most amount of profit uh, that they can. Because you know the demand for a lot of lending right now is, it's quite frankly, it's not high. So they're going to take anything they can from the Federal Reserve to you know keep that up, prop that up for as much as they can. But eventually, if this risk with coronavirus keeps pricing in, I don't really, I don't know if the demand is even going to be there and be there. There's going to be enough demand for, um, to support that stimulus. So, so, so. Uh... 
my question is to you is, you know, and I just want to add on my extra question to one. So when you talk about rates, rates that come from mortgage-backed securities, you have two major indexes, mortgage-backed securities sources. You have the Fannie Mae. Um, you can go on, and I'm going to give you the website just so, just for purposes of validity on this here. And I want to give you this website. If you go on to singlefamily.fannimae.com slash pricing dot, excuse me, pricing hyphen execution slash historical daily daily required net yields. So if you just type in Fannie Mae historical daily required net yields, the net yields is the is the, the indicator. It starts the baseline of bar. Okay. Then you have loan level, loan level pricing adjustments added to it. So so this is where this is when we actually as a mortgage company we sell directly to Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae gonna say hey we're gonna pay you the, the, like to say, for instance, a, a roll of toilet paper. To say you buy one roll of toilet paper for two dollars, two dollars is the base rate. But CVS is going to charge another dollar and a half to pay for their profit, to pay for the lights, to pay for the employees. Just make, just because they want to get a return on investment, but they purchase that roll of paper at two dollars. Yep. Okay. So just like the so that's what the yields are. So you have Fannie Mae Securities, Fannie Mae Mortgage-backed Securities. Then you have Jenny Mae. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac buy for the same pool. Then And then they have some other pools too, but it's, it's tied into the Fannie Mae Index. Then you have Jenny Mae Securities. Jenny Mae is the best one. I, I love Jenny Mae, but that's through FHAV and Rural Development. Now, no one likes those because of the mortgage insurance and everything that comes with it, but they lend to individuals who normally would never get approved from a Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loan. So they're cheaper because most people build in and the government back. Okay. Fannie Mae right now is still in a conservatorship with the federal government. We were thought in a part of last year and going to this year um, that, you know, that the federal loan, federal home loan administration uh, would have Gave them an opportunity to get out of it, which it didn't. Um, but we'll see what's going to happen under this new environment that we're in. So just to make it clear and simplify for everyone is the fact that, you know, that right now, in which the one I'll let you chime in on this and we'll elaborate on this, that I'm afraid that rates going to go back up to the to the six and the, the five and a half. And I'm starting my rate sheets that I'm seeing for now. I have 12 investors, okay, 12 funding sources, and I'm starting seeing that their rates and i have the best rates in town in the state of texas that i'm starting seeing five and six percent which i haven't seen that in years on rate sheets could you explain that to me why um i what i think i think this also has to do a major play with the dollar being in such an appreciation stage um it once again like i said it's a liquidity crunch and a lot of capital flow is going to come towards the u.s dollar a lot of uh safe haven assets because quite frankly right now with the bond market um, and we saw, we see with the housing market being strong even before and during this coronavirus risk, like when we have a lot of new home sales, new home sales have been increasing um, gradually since I would say about 2012, 2013. Well, it was a report today that first time home buyers hit a peak ever in yeah, history. Exactly. So yeah. it's the best time ever. So the, not only is it liquidity coins, we're trying to find liquefied assets. Um, everyone on the globe is trying to look for some kind of safe haven because we see gold. Gold is not playing as its safe haven that we've seen it do back in 2008, back in one. And 
when we have you know little credit bubbles or bubbles that pop and we go into recessions, especially within the asset market, that's not there. So people they're looking towards the US dollar, people are looking towards anything that can supply a low risk and a high risk on scenario like we have right now. So I think that that explains why you know you're gonna see a lot of rates go up and you know in a various amount of things dealing with financial investments. Well, well, I, I got like for instance, like today, I received two emails from two of my non-QM. So non-QM is non-qualified mortgage. So those are called the also subprime products. These are one individuals that if, if you an investment uh, investment home um, vertical world and you don't want to use no income to verify your income, we use your lease your lease agreement market rent. To offset that, if you have you want to use bank statement financing, I know a lot of people know about that, especially for our self-employed borrowers. I had two investors pulled out today. Um, they I got the email. They had stated the fact that they want to divert more attention to the prime market. But it's kind of strange and weird all of a sudden that they've been putting mass, mass money into this vertical. But now they pull out. Is it my question to you, Dewan? Is it that there's a hey? We want to figure out, okay, what's going to happen with these stimulus packages, and if Fannie Mae is going and, and Jenny Mae Securities are going to start paying not a dollar for uh, uh, eighty to uh, seventy-five to eighty cents to a dollar per dollar, or they're going to pay a dollar twenty-five, a dollar fifty for every dollar's bar. Is it that what's about to come about? And, 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 yeah, I think so too. I, I think I think what we have here is a is a scenario where um, when you, when we when we're like I said, with the liquidity crunch that, that is existing, I think it's more of a search for optimism. Who who can supply us with the best optimism? So we're looking at stimuluses, like you said, and trillion dollars that the Senate is proposing of, right now. Yeah, quite frankly, it's a lot of money that's on the line. So we're looking what which sector and what area can we get the best optimism from step from a stimulus standpoint? What do you think? I honestly do not know. I it, 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 I think this because this, all sectors are going to be affected from the airline. Uh, only about who's going to boost is healthcare. Yeah, of course, of course, healthcare. Well, healthcare I mean, is going to kick it, butt right it, now. And it, this is like some, this is microeconomics one on one. When we we'll talk about it. say that one more time again. Oh, that goes back way back in nineteen ninety. The um the no the spring of ninety five for me. Go yeah, ahead. When it just comes down to pure uh, elasticity of demand, is is the demand for this good or service elastic or inelastic? That that's all it is. So of course you're you're more inelastic. The you know, goods and services and supply chains. Are going to receive more stimulus. These guys are already pricing things in, like especially in the private sector, like oil stocks, um, financial institution stocks, like J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. Their stocks are pricing in optimism because you know these goods are a little bit more inelastic. Now, when it when it comes to something um, complex like you know the the, the mortgage world, it, it's it's almost where 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 can we get the most marginal profit? Where can we get the most you know marginal cost? Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, let's talk about that. I'm glad you brought it up. So so for instance. Do you think that that's why? Okay, so if today's Fannie Mae index, this is 2.75, two and three quarters percent. So if the banks say, hey, we get a surge of demand because the market out there telling people race at zero percent, we get this vast volume because technically they're not enough really people to read. People who refied already refied with the low rates. So I don't know what are you refining for. Unless you were dealing with lenders who are charging you a higher rate because of other parameters, because of credit, because you needed funds to close on lender credit and those items. But the people who need to refi right now are folks who have just rate mortgage yeah. because the library is expired. There's yeah. no more library. It's gone. Yeah. It's over. So if you have a library, 
uh, adjustable rate mortgage, you need to give us a call at 281-636-3638-713-396-2995. Give us a call and we'll help you if you have a just rate mortgage because you may need to convert that to a 30-year fix. And then once you're in that fixed rate mortgage, then hey, we can always refinance you later if rates tend to drop. Who knows what's going to happen in this market? But my direct question to you is that do you think that's what's going to be the, the catalyst and the driver in order to increase these interest rates from where the banks to start making margin or this is for any more investors because they've been pulling their money for instance, okay, so if my money has been tied to some aggressive stocks, I've lost half my portfolio. So I'm coming to you to want to say, hey, I need you to move this money to a safe haven. Okay. So so my safe harbor is going to be in treasury bonds. Yeah, treasury bonds, I'll give you my two safe havens right now. And, and at this moment right now, treasury bonds and U.S. dollar. Um, for from, from a technical standpoint, a lot of breakout signals are, have, uh, and sentiment have been signaling that, hey, we're going to see a lot of a lot of accumulation of treasury bonds and a lot of accumulation of dollar. And there's really no fundamental risk for a sell-off at this point because right now, we, like like we said, everyone flux, flushes and rushes to gold. Um, and from historical standpoint, it's in downturns and you know, uh, economic uncertainty. And of course, gold is still gold is still going to take its course as a safe haven asset. But like you said, if you if you want to take an aggressive approach, if you were in aggressive stocks, if we're looking to squeeze out the most earnings per share, or you know, to squeeze out the most profit in you know a certain amount of time, my bet my safest haven in a risk off scenario because it provides the most risk conversion. And of course, like I said, risk off scenario will be the ten year and the U.S. dollar. Um, simply like we said, like we we're saying earlier, microeconomics one hundred and one is playing it again. Uh, we, well, going back to basics yeah, in a yeah, sense. Going back, yeah, it's going back to the fundamentals, the, the bare, bare fundamentals of what's what's in demand right now. And it, it's it, it's another demand thing. Of course, since, you know, the 10-year, the treasuries are known to be a very, you know, and like you said, you're, you're, you're going to get your return. So it, it's known as, you know, a very safe, safe asset to put your money. And in. that's where mortgages come from, the 10-year treasury bonds. Yeah. And, and what it happened, the feds turn around and fund that money to mortgage-backed securities, which is through Jenny May and Fannie Mae secured mortgage-backed securities, and they turn around and deliver those directly into financial institutions like myself and others to actually do home mortgages behind it. Uh, we come for the 10-year note. 10-year notes fund the 15-year and the 30-year mortgages. Uh, the five-year notes funnel the 10-year mortgages and below. That's why there's a big separation between 15-year mortgages to 15 to 30-year. Uh, because of that separation over the years, it's not that much of a gap now is because of the fact that rates have been historically lows. So there's not been much of a margin to be made. Now, what's going to happen if you increase these interest rates up, you take it back to, to 99 to 2000, 2001 levels. Whereas if we had a housing boom, you it was before your time to one back in the, the uh, back in the Clinton administration. People would buy houses left and right in 96, 97, 98. 99 we started having a recession a light recession because it was a presidential you know year um and that was the race between al gore and george w bush and then we then what happened bush got elected economy started creeping up a little bit then we hit nine nine one nine eleven and then so rates and then bush administrations came back say hey his initial was i want to put every american to a home and guess what home depot lows and man home building went skyrocket that's what again led to the purchase of home been building here back in 05. So rates in 0, 2005 was a six and a half percent. Yeah. 
That was an FHA. And, and Conventional I'm, was right and, about seven. And I'm coming to the conclusion. I think that's. I think that's what might happen again this time. But why? I, and, and 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 not not for us. We got the, small too long. Not 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 for us. The, the the home industry. I think this is this is the same this exact scenario is going to happen. Of course, with the with currency, uh, with with our dollar. Um, just like how we're the UBI is being proposed, of course, of course, stimulate the uh, the the coronavirus risk, and you know, people got a lot of the slowing down of economic activity. But with all this liquidity that we've been seeing in the, the Fed injecting into the economy, and you know, you know, printing money in the repo market, we've still seen an extremely strong dollar. Okay, let's talk about this repo market now. A lot of times we see things on on a lot of news outlets and things and land. repo market is not meaning that the people's taking your cars and taking your boats and and precious assets so explain to people what the repo market means in investments and securities and and for his investments and everything else and and, and for his financial per, per, perspective okay so the, the repo market it's it's a very complex system that you know the, the fed uh operates so it's it's like a, it's a lot of Overnight liquidity pumps. That that's if I put it in the most basic terms, that's that's what I said. It's 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 there to promote financial institutions uh, that own securities like banks, broker dealers, hedge funds. It allows them to borrow cheaper at a lower rate um, outside of you know the, the public markets and you know traditional nine to five business markets. So it's 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 almost like a, a source of qualitative and quantitative easing. It's there to ease. It's there to add liquidity. It's there to you know. Get you know, get a little, little bit more cash flowing within you know the overnight market and things like that. With you know a lot of your, of course, like your banks and your big brokers. Oh, so, so let's talk about the outlook. Uh, what have you seen in your research for its outlook? And because you know the virus is it's like a slow drip right now. I think everybody's thinking that this virus is kind of like a the stomach virus at school or you know and on a campus and that okay, well one person got it, four people out of school. The whole people at school get it, and, and guess what? Next week, everything is fine. We talking about you know three hundred million Americans. How this gonna play out? And when I mean play out, not from a medical perspective, from a financial perspective, when you have businesses and you know major retailers are shutting down, um, you have shutting their stores down, you have restaurants that drive through only. People bought all the stuff in the grocery store. People cooking at home, which energy bills are gonna go up. Of course, of course. So the engine company is going to do okay, well, um, and you know, boy, but the people from the from from the I call the front line folks, the people you greet every single day who are in direct contact with the public, pubs, bars, um, you know, restaurants, retail stores, man, hotels. But I think this is it's a lot of industries, man. Yeah, it's a lot of industries that are affected, and that's your biggest employers. Yeah, these are your base employees. This is why we see um, mentioned. Um, project a 20% unemployment rate. Um, but it, of course, we don't know the magnitude of how long this, you know, there's risk going to say, a lot of sources are saying that the peak, we will not see the peak until August. But quite frankly, this is this is one of these black swan events. Uh, if you guys get the chance, search the theory of black swan. In basic terms, it's, it's an event that, you know, sheds a lot of weight within a certain aspect of things, just like, you know, how we have the economy, the economy isn't trucking along, doing, acting pretty well. And, you know, we have these black swan events. Turns out, uh, if you can compare them to anything, you can compare like maybe a black swan event, like the swine flu H1N1, um, with 2008. Um, and then we can compare that to maybe like a 9/11 situation. A lot of very big geopolitical, geopolitically risky events that happen. So I, I think this is this is just a testament of what businesses and you know what services 
afterwards, um, who, who is the most healthy financially? Um, healthcare. Yeah, healthcare. Yes. Yeah, so Maybe energy. Yeah. They, this is this is basically just you know the nature. The of grocery store chains. This is the nature of free market. Raw goods. Yeah, exactly. This is the base. This is the going back to twenties, thirties uh <laughs> type of type of industries who yeah. the bare bones are the basic of the country like the yeah. Procter and gambles yeah. of the world like we said like like i keep saying it's micro microeconomics one-on-one are we, are we talking about it we're just basically talking about who buying the tesla right now who's yeah exactly <laughs> and that's why we see no disrespect to tesla because i would love to have one but who's buying a tesla what do people need? who's buying a deal hoard home right now exactly exactly that's not a priority right now what priority hard. right now who's who and and i'm not trying to gross folks out is figuring out or they're gonna be throwing much more toilet tissue paper yep. and eggs in the store. That's that's why you're gonna see. That's, this is why I like to look at a lot of supply chain stocks in terms of like Walmart, um, distribution companies like FedEx. You can check out the Gumbo Capital Twitter at Gumbo Capital um, to keep updates with earnings. Say it one more time. At Gumbo Capital. That's a that's a Gumbo Capital Twitter. G U M B E A U X Capital C A P T I L Twitter. So that's on Twitter. You search that up. Um, I post a lot of news and you know live updates about. Um, different supply chains right now because that's my main focus. Uh, we a lot, it provides a lot of EPS right now because earnings are going to be skyrocketing. People flushing to grocery stores. Uh, think to get basic necessities. Well, this is not going to go away next week. Yeah, it's not going to go away. But think week. about this, and I, I, what I'm more concerned about right now for public safety and the outlook is that yeah, I know that's right now. Talk about um, our you know our former presidential candidate and senator um, um, on Rodney. Um, had discussed about opportunity to give Americans a thousand dollars FEMA check. Okay, I have to bring back the FEMA so, yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so, but that's gonna just that's gonna really ex- ignite, you know, cabin fever. But where are you gonna go? Spend it. Um, I. That's what I'm saying. I think this is this is also a time a testament time. I think what people need to focus on. Yeah, you you really can't spend it. So. This is a perfect time to have this have this cash. If you know the, the UBI payment does you know come into play, take this cash and find assets. Find assets. This is a point. This is a time to find assets. This, you know, it, from from a standpoint of you know buying things and you know of course supply your family first, protect your family, um, you know get the bare necessities that you need. But any of the excess cash is not really much you can go to. Please, please put in assets. Assets are going to be at all time cheaps, all time lows, and things like that. So this this is this is one of the most perfect times to you know get in and get get a chance to get some residual income. Uh, that's that's kind of what I look at it as. You know, uh, but my question to you, Dewan, and as we you know move forward um, into this new environment, our country, you know, and I'm and. And I'm, I'm talking about financially, guys. I'm not talking about because what you do in your home, that's your home. OK, you're going to be all right. You know, as long as you keep God first and you you stay away from people and you comply with what the our health officials are telling you, our scientists, our medical professionals, you're going to be fine. OK, what I'm more concerned about is the life after, it's, you it's know, whether, whether people like it or not, it, it's, it's going to change. What is that adjustment? It's just going to change a lot of the way things work. Just like we have the swine flu. When we had the swine flu, there was a lot of, you changed the way. That, that was back. I was, that was when you had an episode about smell like a junkyard, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, that was 07. No, wait, excuse me. Okay. So that had to be in 08, 09. Yeah, sometime around there. Because I remember. 09, 10 yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Just, just like how it is when 
when I went through school, after the swan flu in all schools and everywhere you go, there's hand sanitizers, things like that, hand, sanit hand sanitization, you know, a little bit more, you know, sanitary precaution that's going to be taken. Um, and it, we're going to start to see systems like college, college board system, the school system that has to, you know, Like with the virtual yeah, environment and everything yeah, else? Yeah, it's going to have to, you know, come and try. So, so like stocks, like in the company I like is I use a lot of my verticals since I run a virtual a vertical within Gumbo Linden Group. Um, I use a lot of um, the site. I'm trying, man. You got to help me out. I can't think of the site uh, for as um, huh? Zoom, Zoom. Love those guys. Zoom. Much love to you. Love to have you as a sponsor of everybody does eat everyone's gumbo. Um, Zoom is is a catalyst that I think a lot of universities are going to use in school system. Whoa. Zoom is a really good play right now. That people are going to rush to it. This is one of those. This is one of those. It's just like a supply chain company to me right now. And it's free. And it's free. Yeah. It's free. You can turn around, communicate, family. I mean, of course, I would assume Apple to went up because now I would have thought they would do a national promotion on FaceTime. Well, yeah, that, that would be. Um, but I mean, to squeeze earnings out of something like FaceTime, it's hard. Yeah, because Apple is more based on you know what materials products, and yeah, products. How many products can we sell? Could they have all the? Could they have the retail storefronts? They got to keep you know. The multi-billion-dollar investments in storefronts all yeah. across the world. Well, I could see maybe software producers, um, people who you know come up with new softwares and you know keychains, maybe like an Adobe company, things like that, where it's it's a lot of like hands hands off, less less um, less product when it comes to tech technology, but software is going to be a big play. Software technology, software companies. Are going to be what to look at in these next couple of months, also. So, uh, first, I want to thank of all listening, uh, listening audience here. I want to thank you uh, for all the folks who listen in this tonight on, on Everybody Doesn't Eat Everyone's Gumbo. Uh, tonight is a special uh, episode. I have Dewan Wilmer. Uh, he's the founder and managing director of Gumbo uh, Capital Group. Uh, is an investment. Um, uh, Dewan, I want to tell you, ticket thrown. Explain people what you do, my man. That's what I do. Um, my, my dream is actually is just to be an investment analyst. I think this is one of the most interesting things that have ever existed in humanity. You know, the asset markets, it's it's really fun once you get into it. So um, I would like to call myself a coach. So I I, I would I call myself an investment coach. You know, I want to hold, you know, I feel like it's a great way to, you know, make residual income, which is very, very important. So you're not living paycheck to paycheck. Um, within times, like, you know, how we're going to grow on with, you know, with the country and the way spending is used and, you know, done. I think this is it's it's perfect to get residual income at a time like this, especially the younger you are, the better it is. So I, I would like to say I would like to hold your hand through it, bring you up into it, you know, coach you, advise you, um, make sure make sure you don't catch falling knives, because that is a, one of the biggest things that turns people down with the asset markets. You get into it, you get into it blind. And it's like, yeah, like I said, trying to catch falling knives, you're running into a brick wall. So I'm here to I'm here to remove a lot of the barriers that come with trading and, you know, starting to, trying to make, you know, add money through assets, ETF securities, whatever investments that you like within the asset market that, you know, can be can be done through, you know, a broker, sim something simple like that. So, yeah. So um, as we get towards the end of the show and an episode, so I want to, again, recap and talk about for the next. I say that as we go into the end of the well, right now we're at the end of the first quarter. OK. So when first quarter ends, when the numbers come out in April, is it going to be dismal or is it going to be partial or you're not going to see the big numbers that's going to tank this? Because I think it's going to be a true bear market once the first and second well, quarter a, numbers come out. A, well, it's a bear market right now, but you know we have a lot of liquidity from the Fed being priced in, um, of course, like the, the stimulus hopes, uh, pricing in and things like that. So 
I think that, of course, we're going to have GDP. Uh, GDP is going to definitely be hurt because there's a lot of businesses that are have to close. Um, I think uh, St. Louis Fed had projected, had a target of uh, a contraction of 2%. So 2% contraction of GDP. And, and that's usually what happens within these black swan events. Um, but I think supply chain, like I said, supply chain is going to carry a lot of that GDP. So we won't, I don't think we'll see it as bad as in America, but like I say, like countries like Germany, um, I'm worried for their numbers because a lot of their GDP comes from the auto industry. And we saw the world's largest auto manufacturer and Volkswagen shut down their plant. So a lot of these things are getting priced in. We still have the airline industry that's going to get a stimulus. So we have Boeing, you know, Boeing. That Boeing, yeah. That contributes a large amount of uh, capital, to a large amount of the numbers to the GDP of the U.S. So we'll see kind of like where their receivables are going and, um, how many orders are getting and things like that? So it, I don't think it's it's gonna it's definitely gonna be a contraction because of the, you know the lessened economic activity. But it, it's a, it's a matter of you know how bad is the contraction gonna be? But you know we're getting quotes at you know two percent two percent contraction. So it's coming, but you know I, I don't think it, it could be worse like a, in a situation like this. So let me my, my my question to you and and I really want to I'm more this is my main concern. How are we gonna pay for all this? We give every American 300, 300 million Americans a thousand dollars, every adult a thousand dollars. And we get this stimulus and we pumping all this money into from the reserves into the the on uh, the world on the central bank into the economy. How is it going to be paid? OK, so I, I'm looking at this as as we see right now, the dollar is increasing. Um, increasing, like we saw with the euro dollar, which is basically the dollar index inverse, mm -hmm. drops over 100, uh, I think, yeah, about 100 pips today. So 2% um, change in the downturn, which is massive for uh, an asset or a currency cross that's, you know, it's 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 almost, almost I would say, 0% volatility. It's a very mm -hmm. volatile uh, currency. And we've seen record high levels of volatility within that currency cross. And I think that's where a lot of uh, your liquidity is going to come from. If, if you know the UBI uh, implements it, mm -hmm. I think that the US is going to you know accumulate a lot of that US denom denominated debt, um, you know, that it has you know overseas banks like we saw, like we see with Japan, uh, in the swap market. A lot of the swap markets for global currencies are you know going crazy over the US dollar and things like that. The US dollar is almost like a wrecking ball right now, okay. Um, like I said. And with that being said, if you if you guys have any family that live overseas, this is one of the best times to send them money, especially uh, people with family in Mexico. Um, this you send them, quite frankly, right now the the currency exchange. You for one every one dollar you get twenty one pesos. Uh, it's giving around that price level. So I I think when we start to see you know like we say if if rates do raise, um, you're gonna start to see a lot of you know. Safe because the dollar is looking like a safe haven. You're gonna to start to see a lot of uh, countries buy mass amounts of U.S. dollar, U.S. dollar debt. So I, I think it's almost gonna be a write-off scenario where it offsets each other. When you have a lot of the, you know dollar debt that's being um, yields increasing on things like that. So I, I think with the one thousand dollars that we have now, it's almost like an investment in the consumer. So you give the every every consumer uh, just about a thousand dollars from a UBI system, and and if you expect a dollar to grow in value and buying power in the future, it's 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 almost like you're giving them a thousand dollars when it's almost worth you know not that not as much as what it could be in the future, what it could be on the upside. So I think that's the method in the game that um, these guys are thinking. You know, with with this one one thousand dollar payout. Now I'm a, I'm no insider guy. I don't I you know don't take me for one hundred percent that you know that's exactly what they're thinking. But from 
to quantify quantify things and you know uh, what technical research is showing me, what technicals and studies are showing me, I think this that's the most likely uh, reasoning behind you know these stimulus policies and things like that. So yeah. So and and I and I'll lead to my final question. So it's that for as impacting consumers for as mortgage rates and everything else. So do you think the fact that there will be a major uptick in the rates in order to pay for some of this cost? Or you think rates are going to stay the same like they are been hovering for years in this three, four, five percent environment? Or are we looking at a five, six, seven, eight environment? Uh, it, all, it all just depends on the, the health of the economy and when this coronavirus prices out of the market and, you know, things can be come back to normal. I think it's more of a situation where you have to wait and see. Um, but um, these things are, are a lot dependent on, you know, what the Federal Reserve does, what the FOMC, these guys do. Um, really smart guys that, you know, go over regression channels, you know, demand channels, things like that. A lot of, you know, very, very complex mathematical figures and functions that kind of, you know, give a give an outlook to, you know, certain things like dealing with, you know, mortgage lending, um, your your personal wealth, the consumer health and things like that. So I think it's more of a game where, you know, us as the consumer, us as, you know, you know, the American majority, we, we're just going to have to sit and wait on this and kind of sit and wait what they see, you know, and trust. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. I think I think we should, we need to trust our you know Federal Reserve Bank because I think they could put us in a position. They have the ability to put us in a position to where you know we could mitigate a lot of this damage and mitigate a lot of this risk that's you know being put upon us right now. So, man, any final words you want to close out with tonight, man? Man, all I want to say is everyone be safe. Um, you know, be precaution. You know, look out for the elders. Look out, you know, for your family members. Make sure you wash your hands. Make sure you sanitize. <laughs> yes, sir. So, yeah, yes, sir. Saying. As I get the final words here from everybody that doesn't eat everyone's gumbo, like I start the broadcast, this is this is an opportunity for our Americans that we're going to be fine. You know, make sure you pray for our healthcare workers, our our folks who serve our community, even the people who bring in our materials to the stores, our truck drivers, the people who work for the stores, give an appreciation. Help those who are in need right now, the people who worked in these restaurants that you tipped, that you supported, and you the bars you visit to. These folks need your help. America, we will pull through this. We pull through every other event and, and that have come through this nation. We stand together, we join together, and we're going to be together, and we're going to be all right. one, I want to thank you, man. Much love to you, man. You're always welcome back here, man. <laughs> this is how we do it. Everybody doesn't, doesn't eat. Everyone's gumbo. Have a good night. Bye-bye.